In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're gonna have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. So we have been talking a lot recently about theory and what it means to be a pelvic PT in some of our last episodes and wanted to address something that is a little bit more applicable, something you can actually apply today. So we were talking about how a lot of people, especially earlier in their careers, really just start to feel overwhelmed in the day to day. Yeah. So this is something that's super common that I get DMs a lot about, Hey, I'm a new pelvic floor physical therapist. And like any tips for me on just not feeling so overwhelmed all the time, right? That it feels like, especially if you have a full caseload of pelvic floor patients and maybe this is the first time you're doing it. Maybe you are a, you know, you're transitioning into full-time pelvic health where you've been an ortho PT for a while. And now you're starting to really get down into the pelvic floor. No pun intended. Get down. There you go. (laughs) So what are the reasons that you think that people are feeling that way? So there's a ton of reasons for this, but I feel like there's a few that we'll just like run through real quick. So I feel like it can be for sure just because there's a lot of patient volume. So if you're in a clinic that has, you know, you're seeing every patient's every 20, 30 minutes, like that can feel really rapid and a lot like right back to back. Um, the other thing that I think contributes to this feeling is, is having a big variety of patients, which can be really awesome to keep you focused and not bored and stuff like that. But sometimes it's really hard to go from new mom incontinence person to joking around and laughing during the session, right? All excited. And, you know, you're really going to get back to running and then boom, someone that's 85 that has a little bit of dementia problems is there because their doctor doesn't want to really want to do a prolapse surgery. She's got a grade three or four prolapse, you know, so that's a really tough place to be. So that happens a lot when you're at like a hospital setting. And that happened to me quite a bit when I was starting the pelvic floor program at the hospital a while back where it's just like, whoa, you're getting so many different things. Um, I also think that just as a little bit of an aside, but I would think that if you're in an insurance-based system where you're getting people who don't necessarily want to be there, or I've just been told, I feel like all of our people are really motivated because we all of the setting in which we practice. It's hard to just stumble into pelvic sanity. Do you think that plays a role too? Yeah. I, I mean, it's definitely a lot more like daunting, I guess is the right word, or just like labor intensive to have to 
okay, like now there's a new eval on my schedule and now I'm going to have to, oh gosh, like, do they even know that they're going to, that, you know, this is pelvic floor physical therapy. Number one, do they know that that might involve an internal exam? And like, that takes actually a lot more effort and energy than I think we give ourselves credit for sometimes. And so, you know, sometimes when it's like, gosh, why am I feeling so much like this? It might be because of that. And that leads us into other things that aren't even in the clinical setting that can make you feel overwhelmed, but like an inefficient front desk situation or something in the hospital system where you know, they're not given their paperwork in a timely manner. They're, they're always coming in late because it's hard to find the clinic. Like there's a lot of other reasons why you can be feeling pretty frazzled during the day. That's one of the things that we've really focused on at our place is trying to eliminate that kind of structural problem, even just communicating. Like, I don't think I realized how important it was to communicate to you guys when there is a change in schedule, when all of a sudden we've had a cancellation and now it's an evaluation on there instead. You know, I was always kind of just like, well, whatever, you guys are just going to see people. And you're just like, no, that Yeah, that's like a big deal. And that can like really de, especially depending on your personality. If you're, I'm not very much like go with the flow type personality. And so, man, that would piss me off for like three hours (laughs) if that happened. And so that was something that we had to really hone in pretty early on. Because that was actually when, Jesse, when we first started Pelvic Sanity, that was just you and me. Like, you would put someone on my schedule, and you were super proud of yourself because it was like, yeah, I filled no this, blank, I filled, filled this with the last minute. I got a new evaluation in, and you're just like, oh, And I'm expecting, I'm- yeah, so-and-so. And then all of a sudden, you know, Joe Blow walks in, and right. I'm like, whoa, I don't have their chart. I'm not, and this is where we're going to go into this, right? I'm not mentally prepared to see that person. And it really throws you, can throw you for a loop and it can contribute to that really, that feeling of just being busier than you actually are, more overwhelmed. You, that overwhelmed feeling is really terrible most of the time. And that's the kind of stuff that, that contributes to burnout too. Right. And I think the other thing you put on the list of that is if you've got administrative tasks, if you have other stuff you're supposed to be doing during the day and then that task switching because you're already task switching from patient to patient, but then trying to maybe switch between, oh, doing all this, and now you got to answer a few emails, and now you have to do this charting thing and a progress note, and now all of a sudden you're back to another evaluation. Just is is a lot for your brain to process, just in like the actual yeah task cha- yeah changing all that totally, and that's something that actually it's been interesting, you know, paring down my hours now to the few days a week that I'm treating patients. Because on most of the other days, I'm doing so much more admin type stuff, then it's more frequent now that people are asking me other types of administration questions in between my patients, which, you know, has led me to have to change my ritual, which is what we're going to talk about here in a second. But, you know, I think that part of what we want to always do, right, is when we find a problem, clinical, business, otherwise we need to assess to address. So what is the actual driving force behind this, this issue? And, you know, some of the things that we just mentioned will require a little bit more of a long-term fix, right? So if you're being in a really busy clinic and you're seeing patients every 30 minutes and you have a goal to talk to your boss about potentially switching that up or increasing the length of minutes on your evaluation, like those are long-term fixes. That's not going to help you like right now feel less overwhelmed in your day-to-day. The big one too that we missed in that whole list is just feeling confident in your skills that you're being able to provide 
competent care to people because yeah. I'm sure, I mean that's that's tough too if you feel like you're not really you're unsure about every little thing when you're starting off especially right. and we're notorious you guys for second guessing ourselves not being confident in our skills being little perfectionist people I don't know I feel like just kind of like sometimes we categorize certain types of patients oh like people that tend to have more upregulated nervous systems tend to be more type A I mean pelvic PTs it specifically, and then physical therapists in general do have a certain personality type. I think our brains work in a certain way. We're both people pleasers, but then analytical. And so I think that the, sometimes that's not a very good, it's not very conducive to a stress-free life, honestly. So there's a lot of things that can go into that, not feeling confident in your day-to-day if we're just feeling for new PTs Number one, if we're new pelvic PTs, number two, that, you know, we don't feel adequate that I don't, oh, I don't know enough about the hip. Oh no, I think this person might have a hip problem in, in relation to their pelvic floor symptoms. I need more content. Oh God, I need, I, need, I need another con ed course. Oh geez, da da da, right? And then you start thinking about that. And then my point of this podcast is that we cannot let that infiltrate our patient sessions. Our patients don't deserve that. And so it's our job to sort of, throttle back on our things that are going on in our head and how can we do that most efficiently to help the day-to-day overwhelm of our day. So first part is to figure out what the underlying reason is that you might be feeling overwhelmed and then start to address that in a long-term way. But you've also got a short-term fix, which is the thing we're talking about that you can actually implement right now. Yes. And so my short-term fix for this and something that has helped me a ton. And I used to do this sporadically and now I do it extremely consistently to the point of putting off other things because I need to finish my ritual. So some people can think that that is a little bit, you know, anal retentive and and like, oh my gosh, why is that so important to you? But the reality is, is that for my long-term ability to not be overwhelmed with my patients and really to, to make sure that we We are entering into a patient session clear-headed and not bringing in anything else from the previous session. I really advocate for every single one of us pelvic PTs to have a ritual, an actual ritual that works for you. So that is the goal of this podcast is to get you to think about what you do in between your patient sessions, analyze how much time you have analyze what works for you and your personality. I recommend strongly doing both an actual action and a mental reset as well. So this is all about pressing the reset button between Mm -hmm. patients because I'm sure it is a challenge. I get this even with just meetings and stuff of going from somebody who is, you know, totally different personality. Like you guys are, have to be a little chameleons through the day. Uh, You can't, act and joke and laugh in the same way with somebody who's, you know, coming in to get back to running after a baby versus somebody who's, you know, been dealing with pedental neuralgia for five years. Yeah. You know, and we had to actually, a couple of years ago when we had brought on somebody that had a really, really bubbly personality, I actually sat her down and said, you know, we really need to, I love that who you are, who you are. But our patients need us to be different people sometimes. And, and we have to really meet them where they are. This is not about us. 
It's all about them. And so not everyone's going to jive with somebody that's super happy-go-lucky all the time, super cheerful, right? Not that we don't want to be like that in some way, but we need to take your what's good about your personality and be able to dampen or yeah, dampen or like amplify, yeah, amplify on. or like pull it back almost like a throttle, right? We're going to put our foot on the gas of this because that matches this person and like, whoa, this person's a little bit more intense and dealing with a more issue with pain. And so, right. So you're not going to say, Oh, you know, they ask you how your weekend was. You're not going to, Oh my gosh, it was amazing. I went out and did this. And then I went out drinking with these people. And then uh, the next day I went out kayaking and it was awesome. I did all this really active stuff. What did you do? Oh wait, you you can't do any of that. that. (laughs) Sorry. Just kidding. Let's not remind you about that. Actually though, that brings us to a point where we're going to do another podcast though, hopefully soon about how much should patients know about you? And, you know, how much of our own personal story should we share with people? Because I think that kind of dovetails with this a little bit on, you know, patients first. We need to be the ones that are changing a little bit of how we are practicing for each patient because of what they we are assessing what they need. And so getting back to what I think from a tactical perspective, we need to do for each between each session I want everybody to think about what you can do as a ritual, both in a physical manner and in a mental manner. And so, you know, my, the analogy for this is that people do this all the time in the sports world, right? You see a free throw shooter. I used to spin the ball backwards. I used to bounce it three times. I used to set my arm and then I used to go, right? There's all the, the kicker in a football game, right? That's going to do the kickoff. This is like two little steps back and a little half step to the side the same way right? every and single if, time. And if you watch some of the times that some of their hands or you watch their mouth, they'll be saying something to themselves and they'll be doing something else as well to get set up for what is to come. You know, batter, same thing, right? A batter will do all their dumb, I hate baseball, but like, whatever. If you like softball, then great. Like they do their things. They grab your junk. They grab their junk. They do the things with your wristband. Right. (laughs) Right. But the, the, you know, and actually a batter is a, that's actually a good example of someone that is, I mean, they will not proceed into that batter's box until Right. If they, they do are it, done, if they're not, calls time, they'll, they'll stop, stop. They'll stop. redo the whole thing, which is, that's actually a perfect analogy as much as you and I both hate baseball, but because they are seeing different things coming at them, that's the challenge of being able to have seen a ball coming at your head at hundred miles an hour and then stop, reset and be ready for the next pitch to come in at 75 miles an hour and not have that color your next swing, your next pitch, your next bat. Yeah, darn, that's a really good analogy. Oh, well. Yeah. We try to do basketball ones a lot because I like basketball, but baseball actually is better in this situation. So for me, what this ends up looking like is a very deliberate when I am. So first of all, I'm ending the session with the same cadence pretty much every single time. So I always leave approximately five minutes at the end of each session, sometimes up to eight to 10, depending on the patient, but minimum five minutes to summarize what we did that day, put it in the context of where they are in the phases of treatment, and then what I need them to do next time and focus on for the next week 
as we're going to see them. So everybody knows we're all on the same page. That's that's probably where my ritual starts, actually, is no matter how jovial the conversation was, no matter how off topic we got from pelvic floor, no matter if we were just crying, you know, if the patient was just crying in there, like we reset button. This is what we did. This is where we're going. This is what I need you to do next week all the time. And then physically leave the room, right? And then for me, this is as I am walking to the sink to wash my hands, I am basically doing like a little mini download of what that whole session was. And I am finishing out my mental thinking about what I really feel like this patient needs. Where are we? Are we doing a good job? What do I need to be doing next time with them? What, what is challenging me with them right now? All of that happens almost like, you know, I kind of even visualize like a, like a computer download, like boom, like it's, I want it all to sort of come out in my brain and then I can finish my documentation or whatever I'm going to do then. And then as I'm washing my hands, that is literally a image then for me of like, I'm done with that patient. And I, now I, when I'm drying my hands, I'm like net on to the next one. And I'm actually mentally thinking about, and this is important to actually know your schedule as well so that you can know who's going to be coming in next. But then as I'm drying my hands and I'm figuring out who's going to be there next, I'm actually then thinking about, okay, what did I say to them last time? What do we need to do? And what do we anticipate this person is going to come in like? That's where we can start to also think about their personality. What mood was I just in? What mood do we anticipate this next patient to be based on their personality? And then can we now recalibrate either way we need to go to sort of, you know, anticipate and meet them where they are. So we're having like a clean slate, both mentally or mentally so that we can figure out that whole the whole session. So really, literally washing your hands of the last patient Mm -hmm. and then everything is turning to the next and then that's getting your just headspace right for the next person to walk in. Now, what happens if a patient then, so you're kind of anticipating like, hey, I know this person, this is kind of their personality. What happens if, if that comes in in a different way than you expect? Well, I think this is also because, okay, Gosh, this is so cool. When I'm treating, the whole point of the way that we teach in Pelvic PT Essentials on what to do next is that you have to have a hypothesis of what you expect in order to respond and not react, respond with the appropriate intervention. So if you don't have any expectation as to how that person's going to come in, then we don't, then you can get thrown off, off kilter with what you're going to be doing. Cause everything's surprising then. Right. Right. So everything would be, so there's no, you know, if you've got a happy bubbly person and they come in and they don't say hi to the front desk and they just kind of slink into the room, like that's information because you're expecting them to be happy and bubbly. Yeah. And then, then, then talk about like buy-in from people instead of being like, Hey, how's it going? I'm going to be like, Oh my gosh, how are you doing? And that's a completely different question, right? So, but that's because we have a hypothesis as to what they're probably going to be like, right? Are they doing better? Were they frustrated last time? Getting to know their schedules. Are they usually rushing in because they're 
I don't know, picking up their kid from school or something like that. You know, is there a normal pattern to their behavior so that you can say, is it normally like that? Are we good to go? Or what is there a difference? Cool. And it, obviously, if you don't have that expectation, you're not garnering any information when they come in. It's just right. like, oh, that's an observation. Like, oh, my person's like kind of whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's just like, you definitely, but that is how we also treat objectively as well. We have to have a hypothesis of what we expect something to happen. That's why we're not, we don't necessarily always need to get surprised with plateaus and surprised with all these things, right? If we're expecting that to happen, you know, or we're, you know, we can expect a flare for instance, right? So it's not, not everything has to be so surprising and not, and I, the goal is to respond and not react to things. So you can be taking inventory of how your patient's walking in and is that how we expected? And then that can now drive, set the tone for the treatment session. Really? Cool. So little rituals in between basically pressing their mental reset button. So I'm just like breathing, washing hands, anything that, that works like that for you to just kind of turn the page on one person to the next. Has that changed for you very much now that we've got the extra 15 minutes in between patients for COVID? Yes, actually. I feel like it's gotten a little bit easier because there's less distraction. So before it was just like, boom, you're like really quickly trying to like get everything done, flip the room. And if somebody were to ask you a question that could like definitely derail the, the ritual part, which is why, which is where it's, sometimes it's very difficult and you have to be just really disciplined about what's going to happen if you, you know, are washing your hands, someone comes to talk to you or whatever, cause you can't like just ignore people. <laughs> At least not without telling them why. I mean, yeah, it can totally. be a conversation if you have somebody who's consistently doing that. You remember like, you were consistently doing that to me. And I was like, dude, you got to like back off of me. Right. We need to talk at lunch. We're yeah, not talking we're not between, talking between each, each person. person. Right. Like, seriously, like knock it off. Cause I'm in my zone. Like I am in a clinical treating zone. Right. And that might be a good conversation to have if you've got somebody in your office, either another PT or your front desk is, you know, wanting to connect with you on like, look, here are the things that are important enough to discuss with me between patients. Like if we've got a change in schedule, if we've got something big, there's but, a time sensitive progress report that we need to get done. Right. But if, if it's just a, you know, a patient calls in with a flare, you know, it may be talking to the front desk about how to manage that better. And then, okay, now it's lunchtime. I've got a little bit of time here. I can actually sit down and deal with that, but kind of eliminating some of those things that might take up that ritual time as well. Totally. And this kind of falls into that. We did a podcast not too long ago about working upstream and working upstream to find the problem. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, then we're going to work upstream. And, and Jesse just gave a good example of, of talking to the front desk. But I think that, that this ritual thing is also working a little bit upstream to figure out, you know, how your, your day to day patient to patient can be a little bit more settled and to help you to not feel so overwhelmed. And in terms of habits, it's always easier to build on something that you're already doing and associate. They talk about stacking habits sometimes, which is kind of why it's cool that yours is based around your hand washing, because that's something that you obviously are in the habit of doing and have to do in between people. I mean, I think the same thing would apply to flipping the room. Like you mm -hmm. could have something associated with changing that sheet or whatever it is because it's a physical action you're already doing it you're already in the habit of it now we just need to stack a mental habit on top of that physical habit instead of trying to i don't know trying to create your own batter's box thing and 
something yeah. with that, right? You don't yeah. have to create something new. You can actually just stack your mental habit on top of an existing physical habit, which will make it a lot easier to remember to do. So, you know, you brought up a good point with the 15 minutes in between. Not everybody has that. I mean, I feel like some, most of us probably have something like that for COVID precautions now, but that is not going to be here forever. And so it needs to be, when you're thinking about what ritual you're going to have, it needs to be relatively quick, or like Jesse said, stacked onto something that, that you're already doing. And the key is to also just assess your own personality. What do you need? Do you need three words that you say to yourself? Are you a mantra type of a person? I am a very analytical kind of a person. So I need to, and I really want to be very distinct and deliberate about closing out one person session and entering in another person session with a complete clear slate. So I don't have any thing that bleeds over into that other session. So that's why I chose the hand washing thing. I think for me, that's a good, uh, it's something that I'm going to do no matter what, there would be nothing. Cause you know, I used to do it with flipping the room actually when I was at Ho, cause I would do my own room flipping. And then in the other clinic that I worked at, we didn't do that. So I kind of lost my ritual. So that's why I personally like doing it towards the hand washing. Cause I know that I'm going to do that every single time, no matter what. So I would encourage you guys to really think about this. Number one, if you do it, are you doing it well and consistently? If you don't, if you're not doing it or not doing it consistently, then how can we pick something that you're already doing it between each session every time and stack a habit, like Jesse said, and then see if we can't get a good closeout, reset, and then so you're ready and open to receive the next patient in whatever way that they need you to be in that session. Cool. So we hope this is really helpful for you guys. And this is something that has obviously immediate application. So we would love for you guys to let us know if you're already doing this, what your ritual is. We're going to be putting a post up on Nicole's Instagram. You guys can comment there. And just it'd be interesting to just kind of share everybody's experience and ritual with that. Yeah, we'd that love is. to see everybody's new, different ones. And we can steal from each other, too. This is like a cool way to, yeah. to crowdsource information. Absolutely. So throw up on that. Well, don't throw up on that. Put up on that. <laughs> What you do in between patients to kind of reset, if that's something that you're not doing now, then, you know, that's something great, a way to steal ideas from other people and just be able to enter into each new patient with a clean slate. So if you guys liked this episode, let us know, obviously reach out to us. We always want to keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise. Rise.